We worship a God who has strange ways, don't we? I mean, they seem strange in comparison to all the other religions in the world. All the other gods would stay up there. I mean, that's how they maintain their holiness, by their separateness from us. Oh, they'd send a messenger, or maybe even just a message. But they'd never come down themselves, especially as a baby. It's very strange. And in all the other religions of the world, you know who makes it. The really good people make it. I mean, they're, they're the ones, they're the only ones that make it. But in this one, ornery people make it. I mean, you know, ornery people. All they got to do is admit they're ornery. And let Christ pay. It's a strange thing. At least it seems strange. And I think it seems strange... Because we really haven't gone to the depths of God. Everything seems strange when you just try to accept it on an intellectual level and something doesn't mix. It seems strange because we haven't really spent the time to make it not a part of our intellect, but a part of our character. We need models for that. And, and I can't help but think that Joseph and Mary are part of our models. That's part of our modeling process. What would it be like to raise God? Would that not be strange? Wouldn't it? I mean, especially, especially Mary. I think Protestants have been so afraid of Mary worship that, they're, that we, don't, we don't take note of the special woman she was. We don't take note of what she's given us and what a model she is. Mary was a very deep teenage girl. She really was. Tonight I just want to talk about one verse, really. Luke chapter 2, verse 19. It says, after, (laughs) this is after, Mary has just seen the angel Gabriel. Angel Gabriel told her what was going to happen. This is after Mary starts with the pregnancy thing and goes to see Elizabeth and they do the baby jumping in the womb thing. That's a very strange thing. (laughs) This is after she's had the birth and the shepherds come in and say, guess what just happened to us? All of these revelations... Mary doesn't come up with this little soundbite theology. I mean, she really doesn't. She doesn't say, well, praise the Lord. She doesn't say, well, I, I know what's going on. She considers all of these things. All of these things. And it says, but Mary treasured up, stored up, All of these things, pondering them in her heart. See, she didn't say anything. First of all, because having the Savior must have been incomprehensible to her. She was a Jewish girl. She knew 
all of the prophecies of Isaiah. She not only knew the prophecy of Isaiah 9, where his kingdom will have no end. She knew the prophecy of Isaiah 53, where he will be led as a sheep to the slaughter. Now, how do those two mix? How do you get glib and surface with those two juxtaposed? But you don't. You let it simmer. You let it go in. You ponder it. Not just for minutes and not just for hours, but for weeks and months and years. You see, the antidote to crackpot theology, you know the little platitude stuff we do? The easy Christianese? The antidote to crackpot theology is crockpot theology. You know, where you put something in at the beginning of the day and it simmers all day long. The antidote to crackpot theology is crockpot theology. That's what was happening in Mary. She was a thinker. And she was the, she was the picture of depth. Think about this for a minute. Mary had her baby for other people. She didn't have it for herself. She knew from the beginning that this baby was to be for the world. Not for her. Not for himself. And she had it anyhow. I read a story a couple of weeks ago about a young mother who was about to adopt a baby. She, the couple, had waited for some years. She was so anxious. And she said when she was about to receive that baby, all she could think about was the birth mother. She knew something about this birth mother. This birth mother was 16 years old. And she said, I had this overwhelming sense of gratitude to this girl. She had chosen not to get an abortion. She had chosen to let a baby develop in her that she would never have, that she would never own. She would never cuddle. She chose to let her body go through all of those changes, many of which are irreversible. She chose to let her stomach get big and the, you know how the tissues just underneath the skin start to split and there's stretch marks and so on and so forth. All for a baby she couldn't keep. She chose to go through all of the discomfort and all of the pain and agony of the delivery of a child she would hold once. She had her baby for other people. And I thought of Mary. Now Mary could hold her baby again and again, but it was never really hers. And she knew it. She knew it. And she thought all of that child's life, how he was not really hers. How 
He was God's to be used for God's sake. I so admire her. She so needs to be our model. Because this woman would go through the most difficult time. She had that pattern in her life of pondering. Now I say it's a pattern because the very same verse you read in Luke 2.19, you also read in Luke 2.51. Luke 2.51 is 12 years later. And guess what they're still saying about Mary? She treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. 12 years she lived like that. Why? Because she knew what was coming. She knew what was coming. The Mary at the cradle was the Mary at the cross. And she couldn't be glib about her faith. She couldn't be surface about her faith. There was too much tragedy facing her. Neither can we. We've got to be like that psalmist. You know, the psalmist wrote Psalm 1 verse 2. It says, blessed is the man who loves the law, who meditates upon the law day and night. Because he'll be like the tree that puts down his roots beside the stream of water that gives fruit in its season. He'll be like something that can't be moved. That's what we need. That's what God would have us be. We need to think thoughts that come only by the profound, consistent being grasped by an idea. Not grasping an idea. Anybody can grasp an idea. But it's not until you've had the idea become bigger than you that it grasps you. And that's what pondering does. I wonder if Mary, no, I'm sure that Mary understood what was happening. Another story I read that kind of brought it home to me was about another uh, adoptive couple. This couple chose not to have children biologically because there were so many special needs kids in the world and they just wanted to make a home for some of those that couldn't be placed. And the first chance they had was to adopt these two little Mexican brothers, four years old and five, almost six years old. And their first encounter with these boys was to go into a room with their foster parents present and just to sit and watch them play because they didn't want to shock the kids or they wanted the kids to be able to get used to this couple, apparently. So they just went in and sat down. And the woman writing the story said this, immediately, I knew that these kids had been through so many foster homes that the older one had taken on the mother role for the younger one. This brother went over, and he was helping his brother put together the the puzzles. 
And he was, he was teaching him and he was scolding him at the same time. And he was, he was telling him not to do this and so on and so forth. And the younger brother just accepted it like it had been that way for a long time. He said, as a matter of fact, she said, as a matter of fact, I think when I walked in, I could see the older one's little body kind of get between me and the younger one, just in case there was some funny business going on. And there was some protection there. She said, as I sat on the couch, I just wanted to hold them. (laughs) But they kept on playing, and the older one kept looking at me. And after they'd played long enough, he was putting together his own puzzle. And he was looking around, and there was a piece beside me, and he saw it. And finally, he looked at me, and he said, Mom, would you hand me that piece? She said, what? He said, Mom, would you hand me that piece? She said, I couldn't move. She said, I looked at him and I said, would it be okay if I held you? Would that be okay? Well, he stood up and he came to her. And he crawled up in her arms. And she said, I felt him relax. And she said, he was going to give me the chance to be a mother. And I was going to give him the chance to be a child. I wonder if Mary didn't think that same thing about God. He was going to give me a chance to be a mother. And I was going to give him the chance to be a child. You see, you only understand in your heart, in your life, things like that, when you think about them a long time. They only become born out of you when they're in there a long time, and they take on the proportion that they deserve. Tonight I have a message for us. I have a challenge for us. You see, there's only one Mary and only one Jesus. But there are many people in whom God plants something that he intends to distribute to the world. There are many people with gifts or skills or ideas that he gives to develop in those people so that eventually they will take a life of their own and bless the world. But you'll never know whether or not you're those people unless you think about it. The Bible says this, find a closet and go in and shut the door. You gotta be alone. You never get this stuff from coming to church. You never get this stuff from watching TV. You only get it from being alone with God and letting God himself teach you. And it only comes after days and weeks and months and years of listening and asking. Well, it comes. It really does. James 1.5 says, if you want wisdom, ask. He'll give it. But it takes a long time to come.
Pray with me. God, thanks for giving us the challenge to become deep. Thanks that it's not merely an intellectual matter. It's a matter of your word growing in us and reaching a life of its own and then compelling us to bear it to the world. God, I'm well aware that there may be some folks in here tonight who don't even know you personally, but they want to. So let them pray with me. God, I know I'm a sinner. And I know that I can never deserve or earn heaven. But I'm convinced that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he died for me too. He died to pay for my sins too. And tonight, I accept that gift. And Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and make it whatever you want. And for the rest of us, God, who have prayed that prayer already, we pray that last part again. Jesus, come into my life and make it whatever you want. Come in today and come in tomorrow and come in the next day and help us to spend the kind of time with you where your thoughts will become our thoughts and our thoughts will bless the world. We pray in your name. Amen. Now comes the part of our service that is the candle lighting part. Let me ask the ushers to come forward, please. And while they're coming forward, I'll explain to you what we're going to do. This flame comes from the Christ candle. Therefore, symbolically, it is the light of Christ himself. As the ushers come forward, I'm going to hold my candle with the flame lit perpendicular. There's a principle there. The flame candle is always held perpendicular. And as the light of Christ is distributed, we will sing songs, and then we will turn the lights low so that you can see that when everyone has the light of Christ, it's quite enough light. All right, now one more time. I want you to lift your candle as high as you can. Now look around the room. Look at the reflection in the cry room. And lastly, look at the reflection in the globes of the lights above you. That's what we look like to God. (laughs) See, when everybody has the light of Christ, there's quite enough light. Now bring it down before your mouth and cup your hand around the back and on signal. Blow it out from the top of your candle and into your heart now.